You're listening to the Community Pulse Podcast. Welcome your hosts, Mary Thangval, Jason Hand, Sarah Jane Morris, and PJ Haggerty. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Community Pulse. We are here with your end of the year wrap up. Super excited to talk about everything we've done on the show this year, all the good parts, all the great parts, the guests we've had, the topics we've covered. Uh, but before we get started and before everybody introduces themselves, let's talk a little bit about our sponsors. Our podcast today is sponsored by Devada, empowering developers to learn, share, grow, and succeed via technology-specific web communities. Devada's Answer Hub software powers developer relations communities from some of the biggest technology and tech-enabled companies in the world, including Disney Pixar, Epic Games, and IBM. And if you're a developer, you've likely been to DZone for user-contributed technical learning resources. Visit communitypulse.io slash Devada, that's D-E-V-A-D-A, for more information. All right, and with that, let's go around the horn. Everybody knows me. I'm PJ. I am at Asplenic on Twitter. I'm Mary at Mary underscore Grace on Twitter. Hey, everyone. This is Jason at Jason Hand on Twitter. Hey, I'm Sarah Jane Morris, and that's Sarah with an H, uh, also on Twitter at Sarah Jane Morris. So it's, it's, it's Mary, Jason, PJ, and SJ for those keeping track at home. Those are your hosts. I need to add a J to my name. Yes. J, I'm, I'm it's, feeling it's left MJ, out over here. M, M, MG, JJ, SJ, and PJ. Yeah, don't try and say that four times fast. <laughs> or do. And see what anyway. Or do. So anyway, we've had an awesome year this year. Uh, so just going by the numbers, some of the things like we like to keep track at Community Pulse, we do our best to get you an episode and an after pulse once a month. And this year we managed to pretty much stay on track. I think we actually nailed it with... 12 full episodes, and I think 10 afterpulses. I think there was maybe one or two that didn't have an afterpulse. This one will not have an afterpulse because it kind of is an afterpulse. After afterpulse. It's an after afterpulse. Um, and for those of you not familiar, the afterpulse is kind of like the after party of each episode where we get together as hosts and talk about what we talked about in the episode, maybe a little bit more in depth, maybe a little bit more casually depending on the topic. Um, but we kind of relax and get a chance to kind of just chat amongst ourselves, if you will. Um, but yeah, so we did a lot of cool things. And uh, why, don't we, why don't we go around, talk a little bit about like, what do you think were some of the cool things that happened in DevRel this year? Anyone feel free to jump in. Uh, I'll start, I guess, for, uh, for, for myself. Uh, for, I haven't really gotten a chance to get to too many non-Microsoft events, unfortunately, over the year. Um, I've gotten to go to a lot of incredible places and meet, you know, some awesome people and, and share a lot of stuff, but it's, uh, kind of the trade-off of not getting to too many of them of my favorite conferences. But with that being said, it feels like, um, from the ones I get, got to go to that were outside of Microsoft and, and also the ones on tour, um, it seem, it feels like finally the security minded folks are starting to buy into and be exposed more to, um, some of the you know, I guess it falls under the DevOps type of mentality. Like they were uh, forever, I think, always left out of that conversation. And now you're starting to see events mm -hmm. that come up like Dev, SecOps, whatever it is, some sort of mashup. But security is now part of the evangelism family. And there's been always, you know, there's been other people in, in sort of the community uh, talking about security for sure. But it seems like now there's more businesses starting to like security businesses are starting to have folks um, take on that role and, and play a larger sort of um, part in being 
just part of the community in general. And um, for me, that was really neat to see because it kind of, in terms of the industry that I've, or not industry, but communities that I've been a part of uh, since I've been doing this, um, it was, you know, the developers and then bringing in the operations and then bringing in QA and, you know, how we change, how we're going to quality you know, test and all these things. And then security was like the last one. And now mm -hmm. I feel like, okay, we've got, we've gotten our, we've gotten everybody to speak in the same language. Now what's going to happen. Um, so anyway, I don't know. It's maybe something I'd love to explore. I think in the coming months or so, as we get started in 2020. Interesting. Um, Sounds yeah. like maybe security is, uh, has stopped being insecure about DevRel. But who wow. Yeah. SJ, ladies and gentlemen. Glad they brought me on, folks. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of that and it's a little bit of um, they're just being exposed now to the conversations that the rest of us have had for a while now. Um, and also there's now tooling, I think, that helps them to, to do the things, you know, in a more modern way where mm -hmm. security was always very, you know, anti-change and anti, you know, there's a lot of protection mode that goes up. Well, yeah. I think there's, a, there's also an interesting component there in the fact that even though, so it's 10 years old, and like I mentioned that when, when, uh, when we were making the notes for this show, I said, you know, it's amazing that DevOps Days had a 10, years anniversary, 10 year anniversary this year event, which was amazing by all counts. I was at a different event, but everybody said it was great. But the thing is too, like, you know, when DevOps was first coming up, it was like, you know, what does DevOps mean? It means automate. Automate what? Everything. Okay, great. Um, but what is everything? And I think that we're finally getting to the point where DevOps and the people around it and developers as well can finally decide what everything means. You know, what is, you know, what is, what does security mean? What does QA really mean? What is, what does ops mean? It's a huge, these are all huge encumbering, you know, encasing terms, but I mean, even what does development mean? Right. And I think because they're all starting to land on common language, it's like, um, they're realizing they all, they all wanted the same thing in the first place. They're just now starting to allow their objectives to be aligned rather than push mm -hmm. each other away. Mm -hmm. Where security was always that last one, the goalie, who's like, nope, this is not going out. Right. Um, now they're involved way earlier in the conversation and they've always wanted that. They just didn't have a way of, of having that, um, you know, any kind of tool set that would allow them to do that or even being part of the conversation. Security was just meant to be a little bit in its own family of protection mode, I guess, and never integrated into the design and, and uh, you know, the whole life cycle as much. Which is wild because security should really live at the base of everything. Right. And they've known that. Start. Yeah. They've known that and I've always wanted that, but we, there's just not been a way to like, um, it's like two, it's like siblings or something, you know, they, they like, they're all after the same thing. They're always, but they're, they fight for like the stupidest reasons, you know, and it's, now that they've grown up and they've realized, oh, shoot, we're all working at the same, towards the same goal. If, and now we're being incentivized, you know, the same way too. We, we share like the same vision. I don't have to like be this, you know, defensive minded person or put, you know, everything is protective and I have to control what goes into production. You know, it's more trust. There's more tr like just better relationships being formed across all of them, I think. Part of the interesting thing to me, bringing it back to DevRel stuff, is that with security teams and DevOps teams and companies who focus on those specific niches of the industry, 
with them adopting or understanding, you know, DevRel practices and bringing that into their company, I've been hearing a lot of questions about like, well, but that's developer relations. Mm-hmm. We need like DevOps relations or security relations. And does developer relations actually apply to all of those various industries, right? So it's led to these fascinating conversations. And it, it's funny because we had this conversation in one of our episodes where we talked about like, you know, what's in the name? What does it mean mm-hmm. when we say DevRel? And, you know, versus DevRel, community manager, evangelist, community engineer, like all of these things that mean the same thing. And, and unfortunately, like, I kind of want DevRel to stick, A, because it's six letters and really easy to tweet, B, because it's kind of where it started. Like, you know, even before it was called DevRel, there were developers relating to other developers. This was a job that they did. Um, Has that changed? Yes. But at the same time, you know, there's there's no better way to describe what we do. And I think that segmenting the name of it is hurtful, whereas segmenting the jobs that people are doing under that umbrella, not so bad. I think that's why, you know, especially in startups, uh, they're they're just they just have engineering teams. They don't they don't really distinct have a distinguishing like these are our developers and these are everybody else. Mm-hmm. That's not. It still is in much larger companies in enterprise world, but that's not really how a lot of the younger companies do that. So now that I think that that start that language is starting to stick. It's just like developer or DevRel applies to all of it mm-hmm. because now it's not just that there's these security people who just are still the goalie, but now they have a little bit more freedom. Like those people will will now act as um, you know coaches and guidance to to the entire engineering team about where security plays its role throughout the delivery pipeline. It's not it's not like we've just moved to the security people earlier and they're still their own thing. It's 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 really that developers now that are are owning you know production and owning so much more and that goes across everything it goes across the QA aspects it goes across security it goes across it being on call and so the distinction between developer and other isn't a thing I don't think as much right well I'd also say to kind of turn it back part of the main reason behind this is understanding um, we're starting to understand how better to work together as teams in a corporate or startup atmosphere. In the same way that people are starting to understand the value of DevRel. Luckily, this lady wrote a book about it. It was like a really good book, it was very popular. Um, I, I read that book Thanks, too. PJ. No problem. Um, but in, in, in all seriousness, that book had tremendous value to me as someone who has a company that, that consults in DevRel because it's very easy for me to say when people are like, well, why do we pay for this? Or, you know, why would we hire someone directly to do this over time? And I say, let me give you my friend Mary's book. So you can understand. Either you're going to read this book and get it, or you're going to read this book and continue not understand. And if you're not understanding it after reading the book, you're willfully not understanding. Um, but this is, this, is, this is the thing to me. Like, the biggest fight in DevRel, the biggest clawing thing as we move up this hill, whatever we want to call it, is getting people to understand the job that we do. Mm-hmm. I still have, and I've been doing this for seven or eight years now. I still have people, so you just like go to conferences and party? Yeah, that's what I, like this time of year, I'm tired, yeah. I'm exhausted. You know what, fuck it, yeah. that's what I do. Um, you know, regardless of the fact that now it's more like I go to a conference, do a talk and sleep in a hotel room for four days. Um, 
it's it there's so much more to the job and while there's more visibility it's not complete visibility but it's that understanding of you know the developers get what we do the ops folks get what we do it's sometimes those people above us that you know they have fancy you know directors and 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 c's in their titles and things like that um that don't understand it yet but they're but they're getting there they're learning they're getting there yeah and that's that's actually one of the things yeah absolutely and that's one of the things that i've loved to see this past year is that you know we're finally i feel like we're finally getting to a place where most ic's understand what we do whether you're on a devrel team or not right like there's a more there's a greater understanding of this is what developer relations is this is the purpose behind it and the managers are starting to understand as well and then this year you know i expected things to just keep climbing the ladder and Mm -hmm. go in a you know logical progression and suddenly out of nowhere probably i don't know the q2 maybe i started hearing from vc firms who were going okay so we now have a bunch of our portfolio companies who are coming to us and saying they want to hire developer relations folks and we don't know what that is. So can you help us understand? And it took me a bit to figure out why that was suddenly such a big (laughs) thing. And part of it is, you know, I'm based in San Francisco and a lot of these companies, the brand new startups are being founded by developers who are coming from IC or manager roles and then jumping into their own startup and going, no, we need community. We need developer relations folks up front. So they're kind of starting to educate the VCs and the board members. But the awesome thing about that is then the VCs and the board members go into other companies that aren't starting developer relations programs yet. And they go, hey, by the way, (laughs) we now know about this thing that can make a huge difference. You should be doing this. And mm-hmm. so now the C-suites and the VPs at those companies are hearing that not only from their ICs, but also from the VCs and board members, which are the people who at the end of the day, like it or not, are really going to have the influence over them. For those of you who need a, a an abbreviation glossary from what Mary just said, we'll try to provide Sorry. at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's the VCs, VCs, venture capital firms. <laughs> ICs. ICs, individual contributors. C-suite. So like you, you aren't a, a manager, C-suite, CEO, CTO, CFO. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, th- I totally agree. I think it's cool to see that starting to happen more in the like um, mid, mid-size businesses and larger, you know, that's been mm-hmm. a thing in, in startups for, for a little while, but because I think, you know, it, yeah. Well, for I mean, same if, reason. if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because startups drive a lot of what the enterprise does these days. Um, you know, and, and I mean, if you look at, if you look at big companies like IBM and Microsoft, they were like, well, this open source thing, maybe it'll blow over and startups were like, hell yeah, open source. They were like, maybe we should get involved in this because people are are doing a lot of things and creating a lot of cool events and communities around this open source thing. And Microsoft dove in with both feet and they said, all right, yeah, we're cool. We're in, you know, we want to be involved. Um, and that made open source a better place because obviously without support, Things, and it's, but it's the same if you if you look back years like you know things like building a cloud, you know with you know before AWS, before Azure, before Google, people were building the concept that you know companies like Rackspace, which was a startup, they just bought a bunch of equipment and said, "Can we do this multi-location server thing?" Um, it worked out. Today, you know, ninety percent of businesses couldn't work without the cloud. 
um, certainly not startups. It's a faster way for everybody to get in the game. And of course, all of the enterprises have a cloud solution. Um, I think DevRel is in that same boat. It's like, you know, my, the start of my career was primarily at startups, um, usually small to medium at best. And medium, like I'm really stretching the concept of medium on that one. Um, but they were like, hey, you know, we have this cool thing. It's built in open source. It works for developers. We need someone to go talk about it. We don't have the time. We're trying to build the damn thing. Um, let's get this crazy kid from Buffalo because he'll go anywhere and we'll have him go talk about it. Um, and that's, you know, there were some rough patches understanding that the line between dev relations and marketing, which is something that we're definitely going to have an episode on next year, mm -hmm. um, which I wrote a big blog post on because it's still an issue where people don't understand the difference between developer relations and developer marketing. Um, but you know, I, I don't think that's ever going to change. I think any job you have, there is some sort of misunderstanding. We'll never achieve full, you know, there will not be the singularity of tech jobs. That's, you know, that's not going to happen. It'd be cool if it did. It's not going to happen. Um, but, you know, part of what we do isn't necessarily just, you know, fighting the good fight and leading the way to, to bring in the younger generations of DevRel folks. But, you know, to help people to understand why we're doing what we're doing. Um, I think it's something that a lot of people miss. It's like, you know, how to do it is pretty easy to explain. Um, what you're doing is pretty easy to explain. Why we do DevRel is the hardest part. I would also say where we do DevRel. It's interesting oh, that we've yeah. been talking about a lot of these, you know, more developer facing tools and platforms that obviously like the roots of DevRel lie in open source. And then, you know, I come from an era of where, when I first got into this um, field of work, I was working at an API product company, another tiny startup. Um, but most of the companies I knew that were doing DevRel were, you know, companies like Twilio and SendGrid that were all APIs. And now I work at a company, HubSpot, that has you know a marketing platform so talk about an interesting conversation of the uh the intersection of marketing and developer um relations is going to be you know a really interesting year for me to kind of like navigate all of that stuff but i think we have really cool stuff coming our way no doubt and i just came from shopify you know two companies that are ultimately tech platforms that have a customer audience um that are using these tech pl platforms but also have a huge devrel play um that is just being advanced by all these conversations that have led us to this point. So I don't know. It's, it is, and like we're getting that recognition from the C levels at HubSpot of the importance of developers. You know, um, HubSpot is deeply, deeply customer driven, but now they're equating essentially customers and developers at being an equal level of, of importance at the company in terms mm -hmm. of who mm -hmm. we serve. And so that level of recognition and that, um, just recognition of, of fundamental value, I think is a huge shift than even like literally two years ago. Yeah, exactly. I think we've always, you know, when I, I know for myself, I feel like I've said it a million times is that it just depends. Like that's my, the, my, my thing, my, my imposter syndrome loves to hear is like, I, I don't know. It just, it kind of depends on the context of what you're trying to do. You know, a DevRel might mean one thing to one company and something completely different to another uh, for a million different reasons. So for us to try to like reduce it down to a single thing that it is, even though that's like inherently what all of us try to do with everything, um, it's, it's just, it's complex and it, and it depends on the person, you know, some of it's more art than, than science and some of it's more personality than, you know, anything else. And 
Um, other parts of it for a different company is it's, it's more about how well you can communicate, especially in written format or how well you can, you know, just teach people, um, live mm -hmm. in front of people, you know, workshops and that yeah. kind of stuff. Like there's just, it's all over. It's the really about how, how can you share? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. It's, it's cheat. It's, it's teaching people, you know, the things that, you know, passing on, passing on the things that you feel are helpful in whatever ways. Mm -hmm for your personal mm -hmm. lives, for your professional lives, for just making the world a better place. Um, yeah. So if that falls under marketing, that's because that, that business they're in their context of what they're trying to do. Um, marketing is important to them and they want to find people that can speak to the more technical crowd. And if that's the way they've got their, their, you know, leadership sort of set up, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but to sort of, to, to, to compare the two in, in more abstract ways, um, I think is where we get into problems, you know, like it just, again, it, it depends and there's no way to really say what's what, uh, I mean, I, yeah. So it like, it comes from, um, all over the place and, 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 um, I don't think, I know for us, like it's gotten to a point where it's no point in really trying to define it so specifically. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, these are the practices and, and the things that we know that, um, can communicate well with the technical people, whoever that may be and whatever they're building. <laughs> well, and I think that's one of the reasons why I like um, Zan Markin's blog post that I think he published toward the end of last year. And it was just, it's, you know, the idea that DevRel is really about empowering technical audiences, right? And that's through content, that's through sample applications, that's through sitting down and mentoring people one-on-one -on -one, through documentation, whatever it is, like if that's the core of what we're doing, that's going to exhibit itself and present itself in many different ways at many different companies. But if that's the goal, then that's easier to, to understand. Right. And there might be companies that are better fits for you than others, depending on like, great. I have experience with DevOps communities. I do not have experience with security communities. Or I have experience with open source communities, but not with, I don't know, I'm pulling stuff out of, out of a hat here. But like, you can kind of look at the job description and not so much decide whether or not the role is for you based on the ins and outs of specifically what you're going to be doing every day, but more, am I a good fit for that community? Am I passionate about the problem the company is trying to solve? Is this a group of people that I'm passionate about empowering and moving forward and helping to move forward or helping right. to move that industry forward? And it kind of simplifies a lot of that. And then what's cool or scary, depending on whose who's, uh, aspects you're asking, is if that wipes off the entire checklist of here's what we need from this person. Yes. Because it's actually up to the it's actually up to the person being interviewed whether they want to be a part of that and, and represent that community and bring yes. what they know to that community. So I don't know if that's you know should give us more empowerment to be able to drive our career choices. But if at the end of the day um, I change my mind about that, you know, then it becomes a little bit more. Well, I just need a DevRel, not that we need mm. DevRel as like as a thing that we should bring right. to our company. It's I need a unit. I need a right. developer. I don't care. I just need someone who can write Python. Give me that. Right. Yeah. And now we're back to the DevOps analogy of we don't need DevOps in the company. We just need a DevOps. Yep. Right. That's yep. a thing. We need a DevOps. Okay, cool. We need one certified <laughs> DevOps engineer. 
Um, which is funny because that gets a lot of negative response, but also mm. something that's come up a lot this year, like it seems like it's every two or three months on Twitter is like, there's a lot of hate for DevRel. Yeah. Um, and to a point, I understand where the vitriol and the, the icker comes from. And a lot of it is completely based on misunderstanding. Like most hate, people just don't understand um, either because they don't want to learn it or they refuse to, or they're ignorant people or whatever. But with DevRel, it's a little bit different because A, there's an expectation just in the words, and we'd already talked about like the title, but there's an expectation of you're going to have some sort of superior level of technical knowledge to most people. And that's not always the case, and that's fine. Um, there's also, you know, going back to what I said before, the traveling around the world, partying and, you know, on expensive yachts and drinking champagne for breakfast and, you know, this, this Instagram influencer life that we lead. Mm -hmm. um, which uh, is not the way it works because no one wants nope. to see pictures of you eating a shitty meal on a transatlantic flight or, you know, sleeping in an airport because you have, you missed a flight and you're overnight now, but they're not going to pay for a hotel. Um, you know, these are the conversations people tend to overlook, but they're like, oh, so you stayed at a four-star resort in Los Angeles for a conference that only lasts two days. Well, isn't your life great? It's like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to, hey, yes, my life is pretty damn great. Um, I earned to get here. I did not, like, this was not handed to me on a platter. Um, I understand that my privilege has a play in that. And those things all being considered does not mean that my life is perfect. Um, it also means that DevRel is not the job for everyone. I have seen some of these, like, you know, tweets and conversations and, and threads hating on DevRel from people that were former DevRel and it didn't work out. And I think that's one of the key things is this is not a job anyone can do. Similar to what you were saying about, you know, oh, we're going to find a DevRel, finding a person who, who may or may not fit that bill, who may or may not be ready to get up and discussing on stage, but has some sort of technical background and just plugging them into the position mm -hmm. is not always the way that it works best. It has right. to be something you kind of want to do. Um, even if you only know that you kind of want to do it for a few months or a couple of years, I mean, this is not a super long engagement that everyone's like, yeah, I'm retiring DevRel. That's my plan. I think um, it still comes back to the person who's making the decision to, if, if they're passionate oh, about it. Oh yeah, 100%. Because mm -hmm. there's, there's certainly in, in, you know, I can only speak for Microsoft right now, but there's lots of different ways you can be in the developer relations team and mm -hmm. still contribute and maybe never travel if you just don't want to. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, our experience is, is it requires a lot of travel and that is very draining, but for other folks, um, they don't travel as much, but they put in effort in lots of other ways. Absolutely. It still drains them too. So it's like, it's, yeah. And that's just a reflection of the of the evolution mm -hmm. of the discipline too. Um, it's becoming much bigger than right. the stereotype, uh, which I think folks maybe yeah. don't realize. And it's stereotypes are easy, right? Yeah, the, and the other big thing is this big this big push that's growing in this whole like we mostly those of us who are here have jobs that are external facing DevRel, but there's this big rise in internal DevRel. These people are not going to be traveling to exotic locations unless your office is an exotic location. Um, these are people that are going to be focusing on bringing the message from the outside in so that everybody on the team is, is working in a direction. And suddenly we're definitely going to touch on it in an episode in 2020. So look forward to that. Um, but this is like, you know, again, the evolution of the job and people are, are still like, you know, 
DevRel. What a bunch of well, wasted it's, money. It's, it's like, also yeah. the evolution of the bigger companies picking up on it and there being bigger teams being built. Like, yeah. I know for me, so I'm joining a company called Kimunda. And by the time this episode's out, I'll have been there for a week. So yay. But like one of my big initiatives that they're tasking me with is to grow the team and to scale the team and make it a grow global initiative. And my biggest thing with that, and I've had several conversations with the leadership there already about this, is that I'm not growing a team of people who all they do is they go out and speak. Like I've talked to a bunch of people who have been right. growing teams lately and things like, cool, you do a skills assessment and not like, tell me what things you like to do, but like actually walking through one of the like strength assessment, strength finder type tests to figure out like, great, this person's really good and really strong in these areas. They really enjoy these areas. Let's emphasize those things and figure out how those skills work into the team. And you go through and then you fill those gaps. So we might have someone who is phenomenal at documentation and writing and live coding, but only wants to do it from home, whether they have a family, whether they just don't like traveling. And then we need someone who is willing to be out on the road for a little bit, but then balancing that as well. And so having those bigger teams and having the budget to have a bigger team allows you to kind of play into the like, great. We want people who want to be on the road for a while. Cool. No problem. Send them out on the road for a while. We want people who want, you know, very consistent first and third quarters. I'm traveling second and fourth. I'm not great. We can accommodate that because we have the bigger team with the support from the higher ups who understand the value of what we're doing. And I think that's one of the biggest signs of growth that I've seen lately, which I am so excited about. Well, that's what I wonder some of these like threads and, 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 and comments, I tweet wars, whatever. Um, what are the kids doing on the TikTok these days? <laughs> what are they TikToking? I don't know. Anyway. I don't think um, there's any anti-Devrel TikTok. Anti-Devrel TikTok. <laughs> I think I'm going to create one now. Um, but, but in all seriousness, I think a lot of it is, is in some ways um, there's a little bit of jealousy there, you know, for, for the longest time, Developers were pedestalized. They were, they were called <laughs> rock stars and ninjas and wizards and whatever other hyperbolic stupidity you want to call a developer. <laughs> and I get it because I was a developer and I was called some of these things and whatever. Um, but you know, they were the ones making the big salaries. They were the ones buying the new Tesla Cybertruck because we all want Gosh, one. No. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in, in all in all seriousness, like these are the people that they were always number one. Well, now you have someone who's out in public who is the face of the company who when people have a problem or want to give kudos, they're gonna go to their SJ or PJ or Mary or Jason, and that's their point of contact now. It's no longer their buddy who's a developer and an ops person there. It's yeah. the face of the company. And it's not, you know, so I think some of that, that misplaced dislike, I'll try to put a happy, as happy a face <laughs> on that as I can. This misconstrued envy is a little bit of not being the best kid in the room anymore. Um, and frankly, to, to that, I say, that's you know, too bad. You had your time, move on. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay. So I'm a little bit, a little meaner bit of than bitterness most people, there, but... maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, perhaps, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. No, but I think I think there's also some bad experiences, right? Where 
like one of the, one of the things that I've seen in this past month or two that I'm actually really concerned about is a handful of folks who have put out job or a handful of companies who have put out job descriptions with like, our sales team is looking for a developer advocate. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And you start digging into the- That's sales Well, it's sales engineering rebranded as developer advocacy. And like, I get that they want to tack on to that term, but it doesn't work and it's starting to drag people down. So I think there's, with some of the popularity and some of the like, everyone needs to check the box of developer advocate at their company- we're running into some of the problems of, and I mean, I, we keep going back to DevOps and I think that's because some of us have a background in that, but like same kind of thing, right? We're like, oh, here's your DevOps certification and you are now DevOps certified and you can be hired anywhere, right? With those initial things that we kind of went, ha ha, that's funny. Oh, wait, no, you're serious. Hang on a second. And so as it's getting more popular, we're starting to see some of those problems as well. So the community pulse is officially offering a DevRel oh, certification no. program. <laughs> it is it is uh, $5,000 and we will give you what episodes of community pulse you have to listen to and you have to prove to us that you've listened to and then we will give mm-hmm, you a certification. Mm-hmm. This is our new business plan everyone. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised no one has been like, you know, hey, we're going to build a DevRel, you know, Certification program. Why do I feel like I've seen that somewhere? Maybe I'm making it up in my head at this point, but I feel well, like part I've of seen it. That part of it up. is the fact there's there's trends. Like there's there's always been trends in technology, and for a long time the trend of certif- certification went away. Um, like it was like yes, I do not need to be a Microsoft certified systems engineer in order to work on Azure. I don't need that anymore. But suddenly it's coming back, and and I do blame the DevOps community for this. Um, because now they're like, hey, I'm officially an SRE because I'm a certified SRE. Okay. I'm certified in incident response. And like, and, and again, this is my opinion. I won't say it's my humble opinion because that's a lie. Certifications are bullshit. They're money makers for other companies, uh, for publishers, for you know people that are just basically trying to leech off the industry and aren't innovating or disrupting in any positive way. They're just a way for people to say, hey, we can make mm-hmm. money off of this. So SJ, I think you might be right. I think you may have seen someone who is like offering some sort of DevRel certification. And if so, whoever you are, stop. Well, and I, yeah, think, I think the hard thing about like someone or a company offering that at this point is that we talked, we touched on this at the beginning, right? There's no like, here's how you do the developer relations role at every company. Like, and that's part, right. I mean, I actually- There's no right way to eat a Reese's. Right? There's no right way to double. And up. like, I actually got flack for this when I first released my book because there were a couple of people who came to me and they were like, but we need like a step-by-step guide of this is how to do developer relations. And I was like, this is as step-by-step as you're going to get because this asks you the questions that you need to figure out what your goals are. Like, this is not a step-by-step. This is a choose your own adventure mixed with a workbook. Go do the work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, but, but you have to. And so I think like, I mean, I, I started thinking about, you know, do I do a video series and stuff like that in this past year of doing my consulting and never did it. Not because I didn't have the time, which is also probably true, but mostly because how do you figure out what information to put in there? How do you train someone to be like, here's how many talks you should give. And here's how many this, and here's how many that. And like, 
I'm doing a, a metrics and goals workshop coming up here soon for DevRel, but that at least I feel like can be taught through examples and then someone can go back and do it at their own company. But anytime you get into the certification mm -hmm. of like, this is how you do your, your job, then the danger, especially with something that's as fluid as developer relations is that like, we can only standardize so much. And after that, it's up to you to figure out like, there are 28 different ways that you can build awareness of your product. Choose which one you want to do and which one's going to be most effective. And I, I don't have the time to create videos to train you on how to do all 28 of those. <laughs> I feel like the bottom line is DevRel is a discipline, not a job title. Mm -hmm. um, you know, That's right. It exactly. Has, we have, there's so many ways it can manifest. Like I think all of us can probably agree and certainly thinking of just about everyone I know in this developer community slash DevRel world, I think we're all kind of generalists with a common yeah. passion, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, some folks, I may specialize in things that, you know, I'm terrible at, but at the end of the day, we're all doing lots of different things, mm -hmm. even if we get into mm -hmm. larger companies. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of like what keeps us motivated is finding creative and interesting new ways to serve developers yes. really and solve their problems. Completely. I think I got my job agree. just because awesome. I can navigate Vi, the editor. That's my skill. <laughs> Without um, looking anything up, they just like the, the come right back to me. We're not. We're not going to start a Vi Vim Emacs. <laughs> we're not going to start another a thing that I noticed just selfishly because I literally experienced it this year, and I think some of other folks on this call and podcast also did. Um, so I took a uh, made an attempt at being a consultant. No, I I did it for a little while. I don't think it's an attempt, and uh, it was interesting to see because I felt like from a timing perspective. Um, I knew of Mary and I knew of PJ, but then all these other folks sort of like sort of started popping up and it was just a very interesting time in the, in early 2019. And all of us have sort of evolved and are doing different things. So good job PJ for continuing to be the, <laughs> Thank you know, you. sticking, sticking with it. Um, but I really like it. Yeah. PJ, man, like you've got this, you know, you, this is like what your thing. So, Okay, I'm yeah. blushing now for so, those you know, of you because it doesn't keep come out Keep doing it. Keep doing what you're doing. I just, it ended up not being the right time for me. I'm not saying I won't do it again. In fact, I probably will at some point, not for a long time, HubSpot. Um, when I, <laughs> I feel like I learned a lot about what I need, but the timing was very interesting, I thought. Um, and I also think that, and PJ, you can talk to this a little bit more, and absolutely Mary can too, is just, um, bringing in a consultant for this is a very specific need for a very specific kind of company. Mm -hmm. um, Def definitely, I think that I think that the the difference between consulting and having someone who's DevRel full time is perspective in a lot of ways. People sometimes think when you hire someone for DevRel, they're there to be 100% the product cheerleader, and some of that stems from the job formerly being called developer evangelist, which was a terrible idea. Um, not mine, by the way. I did not come up with that title. I think it's but part of the damage the, that has been done. Exactly. Exactly. But I but the thing is, you know, I think that um the other the other tough part about it is is people want to think that their product or their their API or their technology or whatever is so unique. It's a, it's a special mm, unicorn in the stars of the sky. And it's like 
a, a lot of things work together or they're working in the same communities in the same ways. So, you know, you'll have a lot of logging and monitoring in the DevOps world. You'll have a lot of API usage and open source technologies in the developer world. You'll have a lot of different things that overlap. So consulting is not what it is, is you're utilizing the same resources in the same way that you're using the same language if you picked up Python or PHP, Perl, Ruby, whatever open source language you're using. You're, you're, you're kind of going back to the well, but the well is everlasting, um, which is kind of awesome. Whereas, you know, if you try to, if you try to, you know, specify things so much, consulting is not really going to work for you. Um, and I've enjoyed seeing a lot more people come into it over the past couple of years. Um, it's been really cool. And for some people it worked out and for some people it wasn't their thing. And for others, like it totally did not work out at all. Um, it, it all depends on, on how it fits. And I think that goes back to DevRel in general. Like some of us love to write tons of content. Some of us love to be on stage. Some of us love to work social media. Um, I did indeed What's find the thing? challenge to try to create general practices that I could apply to a lot of, like I was speaking to a lot of different types of companies. Um, and I think for me, one of the, one of the sticky points or challenging points was indeed this perhaps somewhat overly prescriptive approach <laughs> that I was trying to take um, that, I don't know, I had this idea in my head of like, this is how we'll approach it and we'll do this and this and this and this and then this. And I think some folks were just like, I just want to talk to you because you've been doing this for a long time, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then we can figure it out. And I think if I was to do this again, I would take more of that approach first instead of having these very prescriptive packages. Um, and I was also using it um, as a way to kind of amplify my desire to make this industry more inclusive and welcoming, which I continue to do mm -hmm. and I will always do. Um, but I think uh, unfortunately that doesn't, uh, doesn't pay the big bills on you wish it would, but folks sure. don't want to pay for diversity and inclusion. It turns out it's well, depressing, I, but true. I will say, I think. Do you say deep depressing or oppressing? Both. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's just check it. I said depressing, but it's both. I will say, I think the fact that there are more consulting firms for developer relations popping up is a sign of the times as well, right? That like, okay, cool. Like, we've had a couple that have been around for years. Uh, I know WIP, Caroline Luco has been around for over a decade now. Hoopy has been around for, what, five years probably? Like there's a handful that have been there for a while, but there's there's also more that have sprung up in the last few years. PJ, you were right before I decided to go independent as well. Uh, Josh Jellick and Patrick Woods were independent for a while. They've, they're building out tooling now, but like consultants as well as companies that are springing up to build tooling, like this is stuff that so many of us have been wanting for so long. And so it's been funny to me. There's been a handful of companies that I've been doing a little bit of, of a, a little bit of advising with as they're coming up with these several tools. And there's some of them that I think are a little caught off guard by my enthusiasm. And I find I finally told one of them the other day. I was like, "Look, you don't understand. Like, this is the kind of tooling that we've been looking for since I've been in the industry for like ten or twelve years now. So like." I will guide and help in whatever way I possibly can because I know how desperately we need this information and how desperately we need this tooling. And I think that's one of the biggest things that's shown me that we're really making progress and I freaking love it. It's amazing.
All right. So I think that that's a good place to stop. I think it's time for our final end of the year, end of the episode checkouts. For those of you not familiar, you've obviously not been listening to the show, but generally at the end of the show, we do have a checkout section, um, which are just things related to what we're talking about. Maybe not related to what we're talking about, but things that we are are currently on our mind or are in our thoughts. Um, Does anyone want to start? I'll start. Um, so this has nothing to do whatsoever with what we were talking about, but a couple months ago, um, a friend of mine turned me on to this vitamin company, which I have never, like, I've always been someone who aspires to take vitamins and have rarely actually been someone who takes vitamins. Um, but they pointed me to this place because, uh, so it's called care of care slash of, um, and it's personalized vitamins. So they, they have you take this quiz when you first go to their website and it walks through like, here's where you're based geographically. Here's what your goals are. And not like, you know, I want to lose weight, but like, I want to, uh, sleep better. I want to be more productive during my day. I want to have more energy by the time I get to the evening, whatever it is. Um, what your typical habits are, all of these things, and then suggests a daily vitamin packet that's based on your specific goals and needs, um, which is fascinating to me. So like mine, I live in San Francisco. It suggested vitamin D because yay, San Francisco and areas in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and like, I struggle with afternoon energy slumps. And so they suggested, you know, a combination of things to do to help that and not just vitamins, but just a variety of stuff. Um, and they send you like your little box for the month. Um, and they're in little separate packets, which I was a little not happy with at first until I actually read the packaging and realized that the packaging is compostable, which is cool. Um, but yeah, so they just, once a month, they send you a new box with your personalized vitamins and you can pick and choose like, Hey, I don't actually need this or I don't want that, or this didn't work or whatever. Um, but I thought it's just a really cool a cool thing. So if anyone else struggles with taking vitamins or knowing what to take or how to take things or what, what not, like I do, uh, check out the link and, or just go to care of it's take, take care of.com. Mary, did you know that the vitamin influencer world is highly competitive? I did not. You're, you're, you're up there with the Kardashians now. <laughs> This is a segue wow. into my checkout. Awesome. <laughs> I was just okay, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this checkout because I want to see how the segue goes. Chloe Kardashian's jeans, good American jeans. Okay. I just got a pair. I was influenced by Instagram awesome. to do so. <laughs> and I love them. They fit so well. I don't feel quite like a Kardashian, but maybe 20% closer than I did before I had these jeans. That's Um, that's a big achievement. I love it. It's just about as much as I want. That's fair. Not more than, yeah. Um, Great jeans. Check them out. I wish I had a promo code or something so I too could be an influencer, but I don't. You never know. If this goes well, you can talk to them and maybe we can get an influencer code for you for the next episode. I'm going to wrap it up with one thing. This Canadian says, by good American. Thanks. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I'm in a mood. All right. Um, Jay, what do you you have, Jay? Uh, Well, (laughs) 
<laughs> nothing quite as fun as that. Is is it Kanye's new album? Because I'm not going to talk about that. I bought some really cool Prana, uh, I guess, like hiking pants or something not too long ago. They're my new favorite travel <laughs> pants. Anyway, my trek, my check out is actually pretty much the only thing I've been thinking about, of course, other than the show here um, for like the last six months. And that is the Ignite the Tour that I just kicked off last week. Um, just got back from Paris and I have the rest of the year off. But then starting January 10th, I've got essentially three trips per month through the end of April. Um, so I'll be home very little and, uh, but seeing lots of awesome things and, uh, the stuff I want to share is really what we've been building. It's all the content. Um, we made a bunch of new talks that are about 45 minutes in length, each with about 20 to 25 minutes of a technical on on stage demo. And we've open sourced all of it and made every bit of it, even my speaker notes and like one version of verbatim, what you could say to make all this stuff. Um, just sort of ma available to the masses. And that includes like spinning up these really complex Kubernetes uh, infrastructure deployments that have microservices using all kinds of different databases. I mean, it's a playground of all kinds of awesome stuff. Um, and I'm super proud of the team and, and everything we did to pull this together and, and get it together. And the feedback we've had so, so far has been really, really good. So I'll put some links in the show notes, but um, yeah, kind of excited about that and just enjoying a little bit of downtime through the holidays before things get bonkers on a plane. Bonkers on a plane starring Samuel L. Jackson. Um, <laughs> awesome. Uh, so my, my, my kind of appeal, my checkout is kind of, you know, it's the holiday season. People are going to be buying a lot of things. And one of the cool things we've actually talked about on the show before is Amazon Smile, which is a way to give back to different charities and different organizations that you want to be a part of. Uh, without adding any money to your Amazon orders. If you're already, already an Amazon Prime member, you can take advantage of Amazon Smile, um, look it up. But uh, one of the things that I've, I found out recently was one of the organizations that Mary and I are part of, OSMI, which is Open Sourcing Mental Illness, um, they are a part of Amazon Smile. So if you would like to give back to the, the movement of ending the stigma of mental health in technology, which is a major stigma and something we need to work towards, please look into making part of your Amazon Smile donation to osmihelp.org or donate directly. That's also cool. It's the holidays. It's time to reach out to people and, and make them feel better. So, you know, do that. Go, go to Walmart and pay off somebody's layaway. Don't tell them you did it. It's not about you. It's about making everybody's world a better place. And I think with that, we're ready to wrap it up. Um, as as is, is the want lately, I, I like to close with an inspirational quote from some of my hip hop heroes. So uh, for our end of the year episode, I figured it needed to be big. So we're going to go with Biggie Smalls. And in his words, stay far from timid. Only make move with moves when your heart's in it and live the phrase sky's the limit. And with that, have a happy new year, a happy holiday and love from all of us at the community pulse. Thanks everybody. You've been listening to the community pulse. Find out more at communitypulse.io, on Twitter at community underscore pulse or anywhere you get your favorite podcasts.